wish you did. Viv, I'm sorry. I've hit a dead end. Oh no, I'm sorry. Try as I might, I have not been able to find anyone who can play us for today's introduction. Oh no, but why? I don't know. I've asked everyone. What, not even Troy Baker? He'd be so good as you. N- like, literally no one could play me better. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. We're going to have to do our own intro this week. Hello, Squishies. Hello, Squishies, and welcome to the Squishcast. I am a Viv. And I am an Andrew. Let's do the show! No, that was rubbish. Hello, Squishies. Hello, Squishies, and welcome to the Squishcast. I am a Viv. And I am an Andrew. Let's do the show. Hello, Squishies. Hello, Squishies, and welcome to the Squishcast. I'm a Viv. And I am an Andrew. Let's do the show. Possibly the best recording we've ever made. Viv, what have you been playing this week? So I have finally ha- I finally have a new game that I'm playing, uh, which is nice to be talking about. Um, I have been playing uh, the Walking Dead uh, Definitive Edition from the te- Telltale series. Um, it's a uh, episodic adventure video game for those of you who haven't heard of it, uh, published by Telltale Games, and it's uh, so the version that I have has got. Uh, Four seasons with five episodes each, and also the uh, is it four hundred days episode, yep, which is like days. an additional episode at the end of the first season. And you've got the it also includes the Michonne Michonne, sp- yeah, spinoff, which so, was two episodes. So I have all of the things, uh, which uh, has been a, a really great introduction uh, from Andrew, as it usually happens. And in in the game, um, so the game takes place in in the same. Uh, fictional world as the comics for those of you that have read them I have not um, and uh, the events of them uh, occurring shortly after the onset of the uh, zombie apocalypse in Georgia um, but uh, the characters in this game are all original so they're not the same although I think um, there may yeah. be some appearances yeah um, uh, but they're, they're all new yeah they're, they're most mostly new with some appearances from um, the comics yeah. um, I said that you say it was Herschel yeah, and and Glenn is the other character. Um, Glenn makes a, an appearance at the um, okay at, at the motel. Okay, um, the so the story centers around um, uh, mainly two characters, which is Lee and Clementine, sweet, sweet Clementine. As but basically, it's, it centers on uh, Lee first, uh, which is the character that I'm playing as, and he's a university professor. Uh, and uh, as far as I know, a convicted criminal or some sort of criminal, um, and uh, who he you know uh, sort of encounters Clementine in her home by herself and uh, rescues her and takes care of her, um, you know, in in the game. Uh, and so they're traveling together. They're trying to um, survive. They're trying to get to safety. They're trying to figure out what is happening, and they're doing it together. Um, so that's the game I've been playing. I really love, first of all, Clementine, because Clementine, she is, she's my baby girl and I will protect her with my life. Uh Um, she's so sweet. She's such a, she's such a great kid. Um, what I really love about this game 
and it's the things that makes me love games like the last of us it is the very it's very dark topic but it's very human so immediately the the game uh starts making me make really difficult decisions with like not a lot of information i mean like for example at the beginning of the game i i, I start and um we're in this sort of store together and i have to make a decision on who to save and the other person's going to die but i don't i don't quite know all of these characters and and who they are so i have to you know before that happens i get to go around and and speak to all of them and do extra things for them and then i have to make a decision on who I can save and I just thought I don't even know how you'd make a decision like that but I'm going to have to make a decision because there's a timer on on there's a time limit on how long you have to make that decision I actually um, have to admit that I paused the game because I was a bit conflicted and this happens quite a lot for me in this game but I really like that um, I really like that I have to make these difficult decisions um, and those decisions they just get harder because obviously the more I play the game, the more I get to know the characters, the more I know the reasoning of why they do things, you know, everything that they've been through, what they've suffered. And then, you know, there's quite often times when I, again, uh, there's either a who to save or, you know, who's going to get food today or who, who who's, you know, it, it's all kind of human survival things that I have to make a decision on, uh, which obviously the game remembers for the next episodes and the next seasons which is which I, I really love about the game i we always talk about loving games that where what we do has a consequence and that game makes it 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 does that very very well everything i do has a consequence and if i go and if i choose to move on the story without having a conversation with all of the characters i could make a really bad decision or you know maybe it's not a bad decision it's an uninformed decision about a character or a thing so I really, really love that. I love that it's really tense, but it it's not like all the time. Like they give you some like grace periods where, again, you can talk to the characters or there's a little bit of like puzzle solving. Um, and I, I appreciate that because I, I need those breaks because the decisions are so big. Um, I do need that grace period where I need to just collect my thoughts from everything that's just happened. One thing, uh, I don't, th at, at this point, I mean, I'm almost finished with season one. Th at this point, there isn't anything that I, I, I hate. Like, I don't hate anything about the game. I don't think there's anything I really dislike. I mean, I've never been a big fan of QTs, as Andrew will know. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, there's some of it in the game, but I don't think the game makes it really impossible. Like, they're quite easy ones, uh, so far anyway. I don't know if that's going to change, but so far, um, they're quite easy ones. But yeah, but every time it comes on the screen, I do, I do get a bit stressed. Because if I miss it, then something bad happens. But um, yeah, they don't make it too different. It's not my favorite, but I think that's also just a personal thing. Um, but again, the QTs fit fit the kind of game that it is, so I'm not too upset about them. So I don't think there's anything that I'm like, oh, I hate that. Uh, Andrew did make me turn on the the graphic black mode, which is um, make, makes it old, like makes it look like the older games, um, which is is beautiful. No, 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 makes it look like the newer games. The newer games. Um, but uh, it's beautiful and I do love it and I've kept it on but there are times when I can't see stuff because of the black mode like there was a moment I don't know where I was standing and so the character said something and I looked and um, I, I can see what he was talking about because of the black mode uh. 
it does right. it does make it doesn't there's not as much contrast in certain things because of the black mode. But I've kept it on. Like I don't I don't know that I'd go back to the regular sort of uh, quite colorful mode. Uh, I like th- it makes the game more grungy. It looks a lot more like the uh, the comic book itself. It's got that high contrast between the, uh, light and yeah. abs- absolute black shadow. Yeah, like it's it it does give it also it does give the game a more kind of tense and eerie feel. Like it adds and that adds another layer to the game in terms of like when I'm playing it, it it does add that. Um, which again is something I I add to the things that I like, but it does sometimes sometimes very rarely annoy me when I can't see something properly. But I'm really, really enjoying it so far. Good. Glad. Yeah, so so that's that's what I've been playing. What have you been playing, Andrew? I have recently been playing the Infamous trilogy. Okay. Uh, I had only ever played the third game in the series, Infamous Second Son, which I got because uh, it was a launch title, I think, for the PS4. Um, and it was a game I picked up and played be eight years ago now. Um, uh, and haven't, haven't touched it since. Uh, and has been going back and playing a lot of old PS3 games uh, in the last couple of years, certainly during lockdown. Uh, it, uh, I, I got Infamous 1 and 2, finally got around to playing them, So and then currently replaying Second Son again, but I'm doing, doing the other version of it to try and get the plat. Um, so the first few games you play as a character called uh, Cole McGrath, uh, who is a quote-unquote conduit, uh, which means that he is has a genetic uh, ability to gain superpowers. Uh, so uh, you get the ability to use lightning, uh, and then using that you get to do superpower people things um, to save the world or whatever. Um, the game has a sort of, the, the whole series has a kind of morality system, I guess, uh, where you can either be uh, a good a good person or a bad person. Um, to sort of make choices along the way or you can either stop to help people or uh, kill them and indirectly not aid them. So you get uh, skill points depending on on the actions that you take. Um, Having never played one and two before, um, my instinct was to play both of them as as the good characters. So I ended up with both of those with the, the good endings. The first time I played Second Son eight years ago, uh, I played that the same way. So now I'm going through that, playing the game, doing all the bad things. So I keep doing terrible things to people. Uh, and at points, uh, the game will sort of pause and go, you have two choices. Do you do the this good thing or this bad thing? Um, and then you choose that and you get points accordingly. And it'll lock out certain skills that you can't do because they're good people skills. Um, so yes, that's sort of what the game is. Um, it's weird because I'm sort of talking about three, three games all at once. Um, I do. I I like the worlds that um, Sucker Punch built. Obviously, Second Son has the best city. I think uh, the depiction of Seattle and the variety of locations and things you can do in that in that map are really good um i enjoyed the map for the first game a lot um 
I enjoyed uh, moving around in that world. I wasn't the biggest fan of the map for the uh, for Infamous Two. Uh, I think the main starting area of Numeray was very good, but then uh, I didn't like the uh, flooded district. And then there's like an industrial bit that that I I found uh, moving around in those spaces a lot harder. Um, so the 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 environment to me felt like it was always sort of slowing you down as a player, and I don't really like that as games. Um, I think that's something that Naughty Dog's always done really well. Certainly if you think about the Uncharted games that are very much movement-based as well as combat. Like, you... I never really felt that the environment stopped you from easily tran transgressing through those those spaces. I don't know if you... Yeah, yeah. If you agree, but the... Um, I mean, yeah. any time I jumped off a cliff, it was literally because I was learning how to play a game rather yeah. than Naughty Dog not doing that properly. Yeah. So uh, Infamous uh, is easiest when you're running around on rooftops because you can, uh, certainly in the first, you can uh, use electricity to zip along wires and stuff at high speed, and that's much easier than running around on the ground. But just climbing buildings, even in Second Sun, it's a really, it's quite a fiddly little thing if you're climbing okay. um, second sun uh, with your starting power which uh, they call smoke and kind of fire powers that you can go into vents so you can sort of smoke through a vent and then uh, appear on the roof and that's fine but actually just clambering up the side of a building up um, handhelds and stuff um, not uh, not the best not the best thing so you play as coal for the first two games and then in Second Son, uh, they it was a kind of a soft reboot, uh, I guess, of the series. They moved it to uh, a real city, so it's in Seattle, um, and you play as uh, Delson Rowe, um, a brand new character made out of Troy Baker. Yeah, um, lots of Troy Baker. Yeah, is our favourite. Um, yeah, and it's good. I mean, I I said this to you when I started playing. Second Son after the first. I mean, you you watched me play a bit of Infamous Two. I did, yeah. Um, and considering it's two generations ago, it still looks. It yeah, it's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, it's pretty good. The 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 leap to Second Son though is is quite staggering, and obviously I'm I'm playing it on on the PS5 now, so we've got uh, extra things like they they've unlocked the frame rate, so it's now. Uh, a, a nice full 60 frames and it just it looks smooth and really really nice but just the, the leap from that PS3 game to the PS4 game is quite quite considerable other things I don't like uh, I think the morality system is sometimes a little binary uh, I don't feel like I feel like stopping the game and going choose one of these two things um, is is less engaging than the game adapting to how you're choosing to play. Right, okay. Um, so rather than stopping it, if you're just put in that position and the game just adapts to whatever you've chosen to do and how you've chosen to resolve the thing, I think would be a little more interesting. Uh, I guess I can understand why that might be something that they had to do with the limitations of the PS3 era, that uh, programming something a bit more adaptive might have been tricky for them. Uh, and then by the time it got to Second Son, that's just how the game ran. But yeah, sometimes it does feel a bit, it feels less engaging. 
because you're just sort of choosing one of two options. And also, so Infamous 1 was um, animated fully by by the devs. Uh, Infamous 2, which came out in 2011, they uh, had moved to motion capturing the game. Uh, so in order to do that, they recast Cole uh, as somebody who would do both the motion capture and, and the voice. Um, and I was not not quite as big a fan of uh, New Cole as I was from the original Cole. Um, it just there was something about the the new voice that didn't really didn't really gel with me. It seemed like a different character, okay. um, and a character that I didn't quite like as much as the as the first one. Um, and I guess I guess that's I guess that sort of leads us on to onto onto the main main crux of the it does this, indeed this episode because uh, the other thing uh, that I told you about from uh, Infamous Two is uh, the two um, main female characters um, so black lady and an Asian lady and um, two thousand eleven and that seemed really that seemed lovely that was that's, it's it's nice to see that inclusion and then um, also 2011, so they're both voiced by white actresses. So yes, casting, casting for Infamous 2 uh, was um, was a bit was a bit weird. Um, so should we should we talk about casting a bit more then? We should definitely talk about casting a bit more. Quick to the discussion. For this week's discussion, we want to turn our attention to some of the behind-scenes talent that goes into making our favourite games. The right voice for the right character can make all the difference. That so many characters we love just seem to spring to life for the first time you hear them says so much about the talent of the performer, but it's somebody's job to find that perfect person for the role. Can you imagine any game without Troy Baker? No, I can't, Andrew. Today we are joined by Caitlin Joseph, a casting associate and director, to talk about what it takes to cast someone for a role. Hello, Caitlin. Hello. Hello. I love the word discussion. I'm going to use it from now on forever. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. I Hello. Mean, nice to be here. You're the first person who's actually said they like, like that. So that's, that's good. I still have anxiety about it because it's such a weird word. Yeah, it's it's also something you need to see written to fully yeah, understand. Uh, so, which is difficult for a, a podcast. I think it's very visual. I think it, the sound of it is good as well. I enjoyed saying it. I just wanted to say it really oh, more no, than anything else. I also appreciate that you called it a a discussion. Yes, I also quite like that. Yeah. Um. So I got it wrong, but hey, I, it's fine. I, I would say discussion is the past version of it oh yeah we were having a discussion about that <laughs> <laughs> i like that you know no you need the past tense as well yeah you need to you need to cite and reference discussions when you're having discussions about those discussions yes so mm -hmm. confused right now <laughs> yeah, that, silence uh, from that, me that hurt my brain <laughs> <laughs> hello caitlin um, hello andrew so um you've you've joined us before on 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 a squishy thing uh you you came in on our charity stream on Twitch uh, in 2020 when we were playing Resident Evil 7 because you yes. and I uh, and our friend Taran had been playing that and then we were 
doing some uh, raising some money. Uh, we raised about five hundred pounds on that stream. We did, yeah. Very good, yeah. Um, so yes, you you played Resident Evil Seven with us, and then I wouldn't say played. Mine's more of a moral. Oh, oh, fuck! Yeah. What's that? What? How are you doing this, Andrew's support? Yes, isn't it really? That no, <laughs> that's fair. And then we all had a good laugh at boob jiggles in VR. So yes, it was, it that was, was good, great. It was a good stream. Ah, but mm. to swing this back round to your job as a uh, casting associate and director. Um, and to video games, uh, you also, keeping with Resident Evil, uh, were involved with the uh, casting of the upcoming Netflix series, weren't you? Yes, I'm casting associate for the new Netflix series, which I'm thinking is going to come out sort of spring summertime. Is what last I've heard. Um, I know that they're deep in sort of visual effects and editing, but yeah, we 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 were behind that because my my boss that I worked for also did the Resident Evil films, so it was kind of nice when they came to us to do the series. The original films or the new one? The original. Okay. The new one is still the same company who are behind the Netflix series and behind the original films, but um, it was kind of in tandem with when we were doing the series, so we couldn't do both. Kind of okay. had to pick yeah, one. Far too much, yeah. So you're a, your main job in life as a casting associate. Um, yes. What is that? What is a casting associate? What, yes. <laughs> um, so, so I, I guess casting casting covers all manner of sins, but cast, uh, so a casting director um, is in charge of finding your cast. Um, and uh, ca normally, um, because they're working on multiple projects, they'll have casting associates and will be working on um, the projects that we're given, be it films or TV series. At the moment, I'm working on a TV series and a film, um, and my colleagues are working on other TV series. Um, so we're, as a casting associate, what you do um, from the ground up is you, you are sent the scripts, you create character breakdowns, you liaise with the directors and producers on their vision for the roles, and you will audition or creatively think of what, um, who would be best for that. Um, and then you contract the actors. So it's administrative, legal, and creative. Um, you sometimes get sent artwork. You will have conversations about where the story might go in another season, even though that's not written. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a really, um, that's what we do. So when you say you uh, finding actors, um, mm. obviously um, you, ha you have it in uh, film and TV and uh, quite predominantly in, in video games. We've already made fun of Troy Baker a bit for being in everything. Mm -hmm. um, it's because he's great. He's, he's very genuinely very good at his job, and it's you know, and he, he's he's got a lot of um, versatility. Mm -hmm. um, with those sort of casting things, is it is it easier when something comes through and you're like, well, I've I've let's say I've worked with Troy Baker before, I know what he can do. This would be a good role for him. Is it easier to do that than be like, how do I find someone new for a to get involved? Does that make sense? It's it. it in some ways, yes, but 
its budget and availabilities. So when with anything that you've got, you have to know how much money they've got for the megastar that they want or the person that they want. And that person has to be available because normally they have a schedule that they're shooting on. And if that person's not available or doing something else, or in fact committed with exclusivity to something else, because nowadays with all of our streaming services, if you're in an Amazon, sometimes you can't be in a Netflix. If you're in an oh. Apple, sometimes you can't be in a, oh. a Hulu. Like there, there are all these different loopholes um, uh, that you can get round. But a lot of the time, people are if they're tied into a show, you're you're going to be hard pressed to get them for a big role in something else. So there's lots of um, there's lots more to it in that respect. Um, but realistically, um, it, we would always love to go. Somebody will come in and they'll be like, I want. Um, I want Jim Carrey for this role. And you'll be like, cool, <laughs> we'll check if Jim's available. Also, do you have millions of pounds? Um, because <laughs> if you, it's, it is a case that um, it really, the budget is hugely important because you would be offering that person a role. That person would not audition. Whereas actors who, who are going to audition for the roles, you know that they want to do it. Whereas other actors um, will have any number of offers and any number of things that they're doing already. And you have to either come in with a better financial offer or it's something that's really creatively got to be something that they want to do. If you think of um, Henry Cavill and The Witcher, he wanted to do The Witcher. I think he he was really, really keen on it. So they had their star. But um, uh, I'm sure that there were other people in the mix and other ideas from the creators um, for all of these kind of roles. So we've got to go with what they want within reason. We've got to kind of just sort of direct them towards the people that we think might do it it's a bit it's all a bit of a kind of a balancing act to start with kind of what the blue sky is and then work your way back into what you can actually achieve yeah with absolutely. the parameters that you have and i think if you've got when you're reading a script there's often roles that, that spring out to you as being something where you will want a name as it's called, or, or yeah. somebody iconic or somebody people know. Um, and that's when you will also kind of see what the fans think and, and, and kind of try and take on as much as possible. But whoever is your creative showrunner or director of the whole thing, they normally have a vision and you want to, you're working for them. You want to, you want to give them what they want. Um, but there and then when you're reading a script as well, there are roles where you go, ah, I'm going to get to play. I'm going to get to find somebody new. And I always find those the most exciting. Yeah, I mean, um, it's weird that uh, video games either uh, do really big stunt casting mm. or they use the pool of incredibly talented voice actors. Yes. Um, and uh, I keep thinking about Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, the, the new Borderlands spin-off that's coming out, should be this year, I think it's March. Um, and they're big, they've got three big headline talents in that they've got uh, Andy Samberg yes uh, Will Arnett and Wanda Sykes as their mm -hmm. as their big belt and they you know that's that's pretty pretty big casting they are um, um, yeah. and they've all done they're all big on their um, voice acting as well because isn't Will Arnett in Big Mouth on Netflix yeah, and sure. he obviously um, uh, Lego Batman, and yes, of course uh, he was. He, he was Batman. Was, was he? Wasn't he BoJack Horseman as well? Yeah, I think that is well on it. Um, although I say that, and now it won't be, but I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Is BoJack? Um, uh, but yeah, they're, they're they're all people who are. Because it's interesting because some people have never done voice work before and um, getting them to do it um, is, I think, always a treat. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, yeah, he I mean, is Bojack. Not, not always. Not always. No. <laughs> That's true. Sometimes you're listening going, ooh, this person's ooh. never spoken out loud before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, then, and then they get replaced by Nolan North. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do think as well, like the, the, we're in the era, era obviously, of mocap and everything else, yeah. which um, Troy Baker, Last of Us, um, we all know. Um, they, because of course they're making the TV series of The Last of Us, um, which Pedro Pascal will be playing Troy Baker's role. Um, and uh, nope, I no, think, no, 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 no I made that uh, up. Uh, uh, he's play, uh, Scratch that reverse. Oh no! It. Wait, no, you're right. I'm wrong. No, carry on. I was going to say, I swear, because Troy Baker will be in it, yeah. but he's not going to play. No, you're um, right. Sorry, Joel. Wait, really? Really? Yeah. I, oh my God. I, think, I think that there's a world where. Oh, I hope that's not a hideous spoiler. Um, I think there's a world where they'll give it that. I think he might be making a cameo, is what I heard creators saying. But I might have read that like wow. pre-pandemic. Um, um, I mean. They, they've done some stuff like they uh, have recast uh, Marlene. Uh, no, sorry, not recast, but have cast the original voice actor, uh, Meryl Dendridge, as playing Marlene again, which is great. Um, and I think one of the other voice actors, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think they've cast some of the original performers as their live action counterparts. Uh, Viv, I don't know if you saw the news that they um, just uh, announced the casting for Riley. Oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, Storm Reed who's going to be playing Riley. I'm going to pretend like I know who that is. Oh, she's so good. She's great. She's really um, uh, Wait, hang on. Did you watch what? Euphoria? No, she's on Euphoria. Oh, my she's, gosh. She's um, the little sister. <gasps> yeah, she's No great. way. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, Viv's a big fan of Euphoria. Oh, God, yes. It is. I mean, S Storm's done so much considering she's what, like 18? Yeah, 18, 19. She was yeah. in 12 Years a Slave as well. Like, she's in, she's in loads. She's great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I'm very looking forward to that. Um, I also think Bella Ramsey is going to be a really good Ellie. She, yeah, she's, she's great, uh, great performer. We yeah. also, we, we love the British invasion as well. Yeah. Always get, get a Brit in everything. I think it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's weird. I think for people, because because those characters look so distinct, if that makes sense, yeah. as the video games, that obviously Bella doesn't visually re um, resemble uh, Ellie. Mm -hmm. So I think because that's all people have to go on, that's why people are a bit sketchy. But it's, yeah. it's but like, uh, you know when people have weddings and they'll have like a band that plays the cover songs? Yeah. And then it's never it, you never get the same feeling because it's not the original song. That, that's what and it is. This is something we had to take into account when we were casting Resident Evil because, of course, we were so for the Resident Evil that you are going to see when it comes out on Netflix. We um, have cast Wesker, um, and Wesker, of course, has a very iconic look. He's um, it's sort of it, it's that shades and blonde and they did it in one of the films um and i can't remember who they cast but they um but we've we've cast lance reddick yeah um which is fantastic which is gonna feel quite well I, I mean there's already it's been announced there's already sort of controversial kind of what you've cast a black man in in a white man's role um but realistically when we were casting that um the character 
it's it's about who can play the for me it's always about who can play the character and tell the story um and the stories and the quality of storytelling in video games is such that that incredible characters have emerged and if you have an actor who has the chops to play that character um you can and embody it then surely that's enough but it's a i understand how there are certain visual representations of video games that that we really want to see um so it's it's a really interesting uh, it's it, 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 I wouldn't say argument. It's a discussion that I have had with um, <laughs> with my partner and several other people over the course of various things where something has a video game origin and then it gets a live action adaptation. It's I mean we're seeing it as well with um, Uncharted. I don't think mm. Tom Holland is necessary. I love Tom Holland. Um, I don't think he is Nathan Drake for lots of people. Um, lots of people so it's a very interesting thing um, my honestly my biggest thing is still that um, Marky Mark doesn't have a moustache it bothers me <laughs> well I mean surely they could just pull a uh, a Justice League and yeah, put just, it on or yeah, take just, it off yeah. it's one of those two isn't it yeah, Mission just, Impossible just, just, add, <laughs> just add four or five moustaches randomly on just his face just rotoscope a, yeah. a, a moustache on there yeah um yeah, give him the mustache as a sidekick. Like, yes, <laughs> just a giant mustache follows him around. It just, it just, it doesn't have to follow him. It could just be perched on his shoulder. Yeah. Every now and what? then, it sort of, it sort of chirrups, like, like no, just to let no, you know it's chirp. there. Every, every oh. so often, there's a silence, and he just goes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd be like, thank you, mustache. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but everyone treats it like that's normal. Yeah, yeah, yes. good oh. point, mustache. Yeah. yeah, we should go this way. <laughs> But uh, going back to to, to you talking about uh, Lance being Wesker, mm. um, the um, ethnicity doesn't bother me at all. It's uh, it, it, it's whether or not the essence and the nature of the character is represented. Um, mm. One of Viv and I's things with the recent movie, not a problem in the world that um, Leon's Hispanic in that. Doesn't yeah. bother me. He's a very pretty man, lovely. He is not playing Leon Kennedy, though. Like, you see him the first time, the first time you see him, it's first thing in the morning, he's having a drink. And I'm like, Leon Kennedy would not drink alcohol yeah. on, the, on his first day at the job. And then he gets to the police station on his first day, and everyone just is bullying him the whole time, and he just accepts it. And I'm like, this oh, is not... No, that's not Leon at all. I know. Like, he is just such a sad sack in that film. I'm like, no. Mm. Like, this is not first day of the job proactive capable like just trying to sensible get through the person day. Yeah. yeah like he like, was really wise and sensible even though he was his first day he was just young yeah but it, yeah that was not portrayed um the essence of him wasn't yeah. there uh in in the film we found so we were really sad about him yeah mm, i've not seen it yet i will watch it um i'd heard mixed things wait hang on um, Have, you've 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 played the first two games right yes yeah, you've, you've, you've seen the movie then. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, oh, what I was going to say was, um, on that note, mm -hmm. with the Lance Reddick of it all, mm -hmm. um, so there's something that we need to do when watching... Um, so when I first read the scripts, I was like, huh, because um, I have to talk quite cryptically now because I cannot reveal anything about it okay. um, because I will I'll be sued out my ass. But... Um, when I first read the script, I was like, oh, I this isn't the character that I met in the games. Mm -hmm. And then um, 
I had to trust the where they were taking the narrative. And I did. And suddenly there it is. Okay. So I think initially when people first meet um, this Wesker, then they're not going to be entirely sure what's going on. Okay. Um, it is a very because they have. And uh, but I enjoy that. I think that we should be taking there. There is a world where we can take characters and if we're creating our own world and story where you can take a character and you can flesh it out more and yeah. make it more interesting in line with the rules that are given by the Resident Evil world. And I think that that's what they've done. And I think they've done it very well, but you have to commit to um, the series in order to uh, fully see where that character is going to go. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm very intrigued. Good. <laughs> I am. Like, I, we do... Um, Talking about Resident Evil, uh, since since that one stream, Caitlin, we have developed a like a just we just have just bought into the Resident Evil culture. <laughs> so uh, Andrew and I have spent a lot of time over the past year playing all the games and trying to rewatch films and and all of that. So I'm I'm really uh, excited. Uh, one thing I will say that I loved about the film that just came out they did such an incredible job of recreating the spaces. Yeah. Um, and that was one of my favorite things about the film was that even down to some of the lamps um, was just, I was like, oh, this is so, like, this is the games. That was the games. Think, the characters, I, I wasn't always sure, but the environment, I really loved. I think aesthetics are so important for this sort of thing. And I know that, um, I know that our showrunner for um, the so it's Andrew, Andrew Dab. Um, it's another Andrew. Um, his his for, for the Netflix one. I know that his his entire vision was based on the fact that he played the games. So we have a showrunner who enjoys the video games. And that's not always the case with somebody behind these things. They may have people consulting, um, and I do think that that sort of thing makes the difference because it reflects in the aesthetics of the world. Um, when you've got, so you have to assume with the Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City film that they um, they totally, somebody on that art department or um, was nerding set design, out. yeah, had 100% played the games or knew somebody who did, because I think that makes a huge difference. This is why video games um, can be so important to to casting. Uh, you've got you to cast video games well, but then on top of that, the the storytelling is so rich that it gives you a world to really play in with casting when you then get to live action because people want to pay homage to incredible um, visionary things yeah. that video games do in a way that I don't know that film and television has yet achieved. They want to. I think that a lot of the stories that we are now really engaging with, even more so, are being told in video games first. <laughs> so it's cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Um so when you're finding those roles, when, when it's your job to cast a role, what is it that you are looking for in someone when you're casting that role? So it, it'll depend on the size of the role, but let's say it's a leading role. You need to have, with a leading role, it's, it, so let's say it's the hero. There's likability. Some people can absolutely do do something but you don't like them <laughs> and it's okay. it's very strange you have to like them enough to follow them through an entire film an entire tz tv series um and it's kind of the same with a villain the likable villains are the ones we follow throughout you want somebody that's either so terrifying that you um 
that you are just like, oh my God, or you want somebody that's got some depth and nuance. So we're looking for somebody who embodies the role in a way that makes you believe it. Acting is peddling truth. You are, all you're doing is, is, is pretending to tell the truth, but you have to feel that. Otherwise it all reads false. And so we need to believe somebody um, and believe them enough that we're going to invest in them the entire time. So I'm looking for that more than anything. I'm looking for something where I will watch an audition um, or some of their body of work and go, yep, I could see them as this. I can believe that. I would follow them into the fire. Um, otherwise, it won't work. I always find that really interesting because um, I, I mean, I work with dance, but um, I've been in a couple of shows where, you know, the show has been created and there's a, a you know a set number of characters and that's sort of what they do. And then when it came to the time where we needed to, you know, cast some swings to when we're touring, you know, some reserve uh, cast, uh, that a performer has come in, has tried to do the role and couldn't because, you know, they were trying to emulate someone else and then has just gone, well, you know, I'm from this background, so I'm just going to do it with that accent as that person and has just completely changed the director's mind and the, the role has moved away from what it... Like, it still has the essence, but the way that they do it is just... It, it suits them, it's right for them. Uh, they can make it really believable and really entertaining, and ultimately, that's what you're there to to see. Um, so I always find that really interesting because, you know, they were both completely different performers, yet they're cast in the same role for the same show. Yeah, and uh, but that's 100% um, what it is that, uh, that, that makes any... I think any performance, dance, acting... Um, any of these things like is um, some putting their own stamp on it. A lot of the time we're watching people and there is something, they have tapped into emotions that are probably related to something they've, they've experienced themselves. Um, sometimes not in our most extreme things where someone's like killing someone or, but, but a lot of the time uh, you have to connect, you have to connect in a deep way because so we as an audience I'm looking for what the audience are going to see as well. We as an audience, when we watch somebody, um, we need to be able to relate to them in some way. And if they don't connect to everything that's going on with them, we can't. Because realistically, I don't know what it's like to be a troll or a fairy or, <laughs> or, um, or a warrior. But if that warrior shows me a poignant moment of emotion that relates to me in, in loss or grief or or... Um, joy or victory or something that I've experienced and they portray it in a way that I understand as a human being on a human level and connect with it properly, that's um, enough for me to want to follow them in a story. Um, and it normally it is people putting their own stamp, their own history, their own mark on something um, that can really mean that you, you, you could have had a vision for a role and then you see them do it and you're like, I can see nobody else. Well, um, we can bring this back to Troy Baker again. He he tells a story about being cast as Joel in the in the first Last of Us game, and having to convince the developers that he was right for the role. And that it was very much like you have to stop seeing what I look like. You have to close your eyes and mind to the vision of who I am as Troy Baker, and go on what I'm going to do with my voice and that, that character that's going to come out of me. That's what you need to focus on. Um, yeah. and, and that's what one in the role. Because, I mean, without sounding about a bit too hyperbolous, like, it's kind of an iconic performance and voice that, that came out of him for that 
that character. Completely. Um, and, Completely. And, and he does such a, a great job of being an absolute dick that you kind of really like. I mean, Joel is reprehensible in, in, in He's both He's very games. human. Yeah. He's real. He's yeah, really I agree. human. This is what I always, Caitlin. I'm, I I love The Last of Us. Um, I won't I won't explain why I get in the podcast because I think people have heard me say it too much. But like I, this is what I love about the games. But Joel in particular, well, all the characters, they're so human. They all make terrible choices. They all, all make the terrible time. choices, and you don't necessarily like them. By the end of the second game, I was I didn't like Ellie anymore. But I, I just thought it was all incredible, like the the way they yeah. made like it I was, was so exactly human. Exactly the same, exactly the same. And with playing the second game as well, like I I think you you need people who can who can portray humanity, and that sounds silly because we're all humans. But some people can't tap into humanity for storytelling and the, and the very human realness that we need, especially w- with stories that are dealing with a real dystopia where human beings um, have to do things because of circumstance. And then you are, with that game, put into different people's perspectives and you realize that we're all in the same human boat. It's a very, very, um, it's a it's a balancing act with that game of, of where they 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 put your emotions and change your opinions, but it's it's very much giving it to you as an audience and a, a member of the human race to um, to see the human point of view. They're they're great games. And and to recognise that you know like it's all you know they were awful and then but but you know that you yourself put in that same position would you have made a different decision or exactly. would you have made a decision that you you can live with you know between a bad one and a worse one. Um, which and I just, I love that very much. There aren't, I mean, I always say this when I'm getting actors to, th- sometimes I'll give an actor a role and they'll they'll hear that they're the antagonist or the villain and they'll play it in a really arch kind of baddie kind of way. And I have to then turn to them and go, you know that there are no good or bad people. There are people who do bad things and good things that kind of tick in your favour or cross in, um, in disfavour. But you the most brilliant villains or or heroes are flawed um, and have have a story, have a reason. They have a reason that they've ever done this. There's a reason that a hero does what they do, and there's a reason that a villain does what they do. And it's actually it's a very fine line between someone being good or bad because it's it's actions. And uh, so yeah, Joel is a kind of reprehensible character, but still are kind of hero for what he's doing for Ellie in the first game and everything else like it's it's yeah it's very interesting and very very much uh, what humanity's about so what what would you say when casting voices in particular where mm. again that Troy Baker thing of like you have to ignore what a human being looks like and just focus on the the, the noise that they're making what is the criteria for for that for for casting someone that turning off that visual thing in your head so i i had to cast voices recently and um for a short animation that i was doing um which was about male suicide um which is a topic close to i know my and andrew's heart obviously because we lost our good friend to suicide um and it's for me it was an incredibly important project it's for a film school and um i i really had to um and ah about um how i would do it and in the end you can't have 
um, you can't really get too much in the head of uh, what people look like. So you, you completely scrap that and you start to think about the voices that that will most represent the personality of the characters. So I had a character who was very kind of everyman, but he had to speak with MLE English. Um, and I actually thought of one of my friends who who I knew, who's about to shoot off into the stars. He's in the new um, One Piece Netflix um, oh, oh, yes, anime yes, adaptation. Yes. Um, so his name is Taz Skyler. He's an absolute dreamboat um, and a wonderful, wonderful human being. But when I was reading the character, I realized that there were certain things that he'd experienced um, that, that were akin with, um, and he won't mind me saying this on here, um, because he wrote a play about it, which um, was nominated for Olivier. He, um, he lost his good friend to suicide um, and didn't know that anything was wrong. And um, that's such a, that's a story that lots of us have heard. And so I needed to cast a voice of somebody who'd lost somebody. And he, I knew that he knew what this story was and I knew that he would get it and connect with it. So it was a very easy ask for me to turn to him and say, could you do this? And then show examples of his voice to the director. And she's like, yes, absolutely. Plus the, the real experience. And then I needed to find a, a, a comic voice um, actually went with Blake Harrison from The Inbetweeners, played okay. Neil in The Inbetweeners. Um, I had to find that as well. And somebody that you would just like who had that that ability with comedy. And so we start to think about the performances we've seen and then we start to isolate and just hear the voices. I remember when I was an actress, I was cast in a radio play and um, it was the weirdest audition I ever walked into. I walked into the room and I'd been given a piece of uh, there were lots of pieces of paper outside and you could choose which one you were going to read. And I picked one up without realizing it was from a Sarah Kane play um, and walked into the room and there was the director and the writer um, and they said, okay, um, just um, whenever you're ready. And they put their hands over their eyes um, and put their heads down like children okay. <laughs> and just Amazing. listened, just listened to me read. Um, and it was probably the best thing because visually, I don't think I was the, the, the writer had modeled the character on his girlfriend and I did not look like his girlfriend. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, I then got recalled with, with several boys to play the other role. And every time they just covered their eyes and listened and they were listening to the scene. Um, wow. and I think all you, if you get the opportunity to play it out and just listen, uh, and you had actors in the room, which is difficult in coronavirus times, um, you would have, that's what I would do if I was casting voices. I would do that because I just want to hear that very heart of the voices. Um, but what we most look for, to get back to your question, I'm sorry, I've waffled on. Okay. To get back to your question, um, I'm looking for people who can tap into the emotions necessary in their voice. And not every voice is capable of that. Not every voice... It's the same way that if you had somebody read you a bedtime story, you doesn't, there are some people you don't want to hear telling you a bedtime story because they're not going to be able to find all the little nuances in it that you need to get that story across. They're not going to find the do the little voices or find the emotion or, or even be a voice you want to listen to. Um, there's You need somebody who can tap into all those range of emotions and pitches and um, that's... That's the main thing. It's 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 kind of the same of what I was saying before. You need somebody who's going to connect with that material, um, and I do think I do think there's plenty of people who can do that. But there are some people whose voices are all wrong, 
<laughs> all wrong for things and you don't know until you're listening to them you're like oh no i couldn't no i don't want i don't like this so yeah. i mean anyone anyone listening to this podcast that had uh viv and i doing impressions of each other at the uh, during the introduction will know how terrible that yeah. the wrong voice can be yeah um, <laughs> Very quickly, wait, you, you were talking there about um, casting someone uh, with MLE uh, to anyone uh, that uh, maybe doesn't know what that is. Uh, that stands for uh, Multicultural London English. Yes, which is actually quite a difficult... It's a, it's a uh, broad spectrum, isn't it? Although uh, the, the other term I don't like very much, the other term for it is Urban British. Oh dear, no. um, yeah, I don't like. Oh no! Yeah, no, no, no. Exactly. Uh, urban <laughs> is is the word like it's one of the worst words ever. Like, it's something that's used in my industry as well. Uh, whenever people want to refer to like something that is like a street style or like a hip hop, yeah. they just go, "Oh, it's urban," and you're like, "Oh." Just. Yeah, no, I I still hear it um, about voices sometimes, um, particularly um, uh, from sort of america um talking about uh black voices which is really something that jars with me when i hear it emily yeah. I, I i mean i emily was the brief i was given i don't i'm hoping it's the correct term for it but it's that kind of um i can't do it <laughs> i think if oh. i do it it'll be horrendously offensive yeah. Yeah. and i know this because i uh, prior to casting i was an actress and i remember being asked to do an emily accent and it's such a bl- it's it's such a cultural blend of yeah. of things. That's that's why it's called multiculturally multi multicultural London English. And it is um, from you, you kind of had to have grown up with yeah. it um, with we, with we definitely influences in, in no. our lovely um, southwest London accents. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, I, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. but. Um, <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I could do an Indian accent because of my dad, but that's it. Like, I can't do the MLE, but um, I think MLE is, um, uh, yeah, blending, I mean, uh, mixing pot accent. Uh, yeah, I, th- you know, I, th- I feel like um, someone like Idris Elba is a, is a good example of that sort of, that sort of energy and voice, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think he is. Like, I think, again, I think to anyone outside of London that maybe can't, quite understand what we're saying it's that kind of thing. Yeah. if you hear idris talking with his just his normal chatty voice it's that kind of energy i'd say yeah or or jo, uh, john boyega yeah as yeah, well yeah, yeah. if you listen to john boyega he's kind of grown up in that era so if you ever hear something where john boyega is talking about or with his friends it's that that's sort of that kind of attack the block top boy yeah. God, oh, vibe oh, i love attack the block what a film yeah times but they are definitely emily in 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 the tackle block yeah Caitlin, thank you so much for sort of talking um about about casting about your job and and and, and how that works it's I, d- I don't know they just the the volume of of that seems uh massive to me to to get everyone in the world and then find the one person whose voice or personality is correct for a role i don't know how you do it it does mean that like television it. and film and 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 basically going to the cinema or watching a series like a binge watching a series in my pants counts as research ah, so i mean there's nice. that yeah so in the spirit of you doing your job the <laughs> second part of our discussion uh we set you a casting challenge and viv and i both selected a video game that has not yet been made into a live action mm-hmm. production and we selected mm-hmm. 
three roles from that game, which we gave yes. to you with the task of casting those roles. And we have no idea who it is that um, Caitlin has, has uh, picked um, in, this, in the stream. Casting scenario, money, time and availability are no restrictions. Uh, the only requirement we made was that the actors must all currently be alive. Uh, without any further adoing, I will go first, I've decided. <laughs> um, and the game that I chose, surprising literally nobody, was Monkey Island. They specific <laughs> specifically Monkey Island 2, but... Nah. So, um, to anyone that um, is weird and doesn't know Monkey Island 2, for That would shame. be me. I, I didn't know it, so for I'm weird. Shame, Carry on. Caitlin. For I know. Shame. I, I feel bad, actually, because as soon as I started doing research, I was like, this is exactly the kind of side-scroller game I would have loved. Oh, it's um, brilliant. And I love all of its history around. Anyway, carry on. Guybrush Streetwood. Um, he defeated the evil ghost pirate LeChuck in the first game. Uh, but he's been living off that adventure for a while, uh, and nobody really wants to hear any more about it. So he's setting off on a new adventure with a newly grown beard to find the legendary treasure of Big Whoop to prove himself as a mighty pirate. Along the way, he inadvertently aids in the resurrection of LeChuck and comes face to face with his ex-girlfriend and governor, Elaine. So the first character I gave you to cast was Guybrush himself. So uh, Guybrush Streetwood is maybe about 19 or 20 by Monkey Island 2. Uh, he has brown hair. He has a sharp wit and is clever. He's brave, but a little cowardly as well. Also clumsy and bumbling at times. Uh, does seem to display an ability to screw anyone over to get his own way, but uh, that is quite a um, point-and-click adventure staple. He does nail a live human into a coffin in, in Monkey Island 2, which is, which is quite grim. Uh, he does love Elaine, um, but is obsessed with being a pirate, and he is the hero of the story. It's a great character. Yeah. It's a great character. I mean, I so I, I did go and do my homework a little bit because it was interesting to see that this game had um, been based on the Pirates of the Caribbean theme park mm -hmm. ride in Disney. And of course, we have the Pirates of the Caribbean films, which were based on the ride as well. And I, the more like I did a little homework and I, I saw that at one point there was going to be a live action Monkey Island uh, um, I think. or I think an animation. Was, yeah, it was an animated movie. It was an animation. And yeah. it, it just never got off the ground. It's really interesting to see where those people went on and um, to, to IML and working on different sort of um, animated films that we know and love. Um, it was very, very interesting to see like the the way that it just never got off the ground. Um, and there's people have fan casted for this, so there's the, you get a lot of things online where people um, fan cast for things, be, be it books or video games. And I often look at those because it's quite interesting to see what people want. And invariably, the people they want are ten years too old. They're okay. not because they don't know who the latest twenty-year-old is and anything. Now, I I really I ummed and erred about this role in particular, so it's funny that we're starting with it okay. because like I wanted somebody who could do the had the wit and the humour was clever, but the brave little cowardly, and I kind of saw them as British more than I did um, American. Okay. So my first choice was Will Poulter. 
Okay. So, yeah, and okay, so he is eight years too old, but Will still plays very young. And ever since he first appeared in Son of Rambo as a child actor, mm-hmm. and he was wonderful in the Maze Runner series, you see him in Midsummer, he's in Dope Sick, and he's upcoming in the next Guardians of the Galaxy film. Will, Will for me, I've always loved as an actor, and I think mm-hmm. he could just has the um, range for this and the likability at the same time as knowing he could do a bit of double crossing and a bit of nailing someone into a coffin. Um, yeah. So he was somebody that, that sprung to mind quite quickly, as did Andrew Garfield. Now, Andrew Garfield is 20 years too old for the role. <laughs> um, but Andrew Garfield, I just think that, that he's my flavor of the year, really, with um, uh, something which I'm not going to say that he's in, which he was great in, um, because I, I don't know how many spoilers people can take. Although I feel by now, if you have everyone, the internet, you will know. Um, but obviously, Andrew is in Spider-Man um, uh, and was was a wonderful second take on the Spider-Man um, when they second rebooted him. And now we're into Tom Holland's age um, and has that energy, that kind of clumsy, um, clever, brave energy. Um, but then as well, him in Tick, Tick, Boom, I suddenly saw his range as a vocal actor because the man can sing. Um, and so I think it was his voice in particular has such a youthful quality that for me, if Andrew was younger still, I would have cast him in this role. I then thought about Sholo Marijuana. So Sholo is, um, have you seen Cobra Kai? I have not, no. Oh, okay. So Sholo is in Cobra Kai and he's um, uh, the protege of um, Robbie the guy from Cobra Kai is his protege. He's actually an actor of Mexican, Cuban, and Ecuadorian descent. But anybody who has watched Cobra Kai, he is very much this role, and he can also fight. But he's got this kind of like nervous, sort of nerdy energy, but at the same time can go to sort of darker places. Um, and he's the right age; he's twenty. And then after I went all the way around the houses on people that I thought could be right because of the energy, I realised that our people like Tom Holland, the younger generation, like your Timothy Chamberlain, the people who are who are coming up in these sort of like younger leading roles where you want to watch them in, in anything um, and they have to have the, sort of all the power of charisma and personality. You didn't know them before their film. So this, my answer to this, despite all those actors I've mentioned, okay. is that Guy, Guybrush Threepwood would be an unknown. I would okay. cast him until I found him. That is my answer for that. I've not done that for anybody else of anything else you chose. But for Guy, for <laughs> Guy Brush, really, really easy yeah, way out of this whole unknown yeah. actor. Yeah, unknown. Um, you, you don't know this. Which is hilarious <laughs> that you started with this one. But I think at the age of nine, at the age of nineteen or twenty, um, having an established named actor, they have already normally established themselves in something else. So Tom Holland could play this role, but he's established himself as Spider Man and now as Nathan Drake. Um, Timothy Chalamet could play this role, but he's also um, established himself in June and uh, like and all of these Willy other Wonka. things. That, Willy Wonka. All of there's there's uh, there's now iconic roles. So I, I I'd give somebody else a go because I okay. guarantee this role is 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 good enough that you would find somebody great. So I would do an open search for that role. Uh, we're going to stick with um, Monkey Island and move on mm-hmm. to uh, move on to the second role. Okay. Um, which is that of the uh, main antagonist. Uh, yes. LeChuck himself, who uh, in Monkey Island 2 uh, is a reanimated corpse, so is a bit 
a bit zombie-ish. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I described uh, the Chuck uh, as uh, we don't know how old uh, he is. Uh, in the first game, he's already a, a ghost, uh, and now he's a, a zombie. So it's it's hard to hard to age. Um, but it is the evilest pirate that there ever was. All other pirates were as scared of him when he was alive as they are now that he is dead and a zombie. He is a walking corpse, uh, which has not improved his mood at all. Uh, He will stop at nothing to get revenge on Guybrush. Uh, He was briefly trying to marry Elaine when he was a ghost after a failed relationship when he was alive. Yes, it's a great role. I I feel like you'd have an embarrassment of riches with this role and have real fun. uh, I'm assuming that if we did a live action of this role, because he is a walking corpse, there would be a certain amount of makeup, but then they would kind of do to reference Pirates of the Caribbean, what they did with Bill Nye with Davy Jones, where yeah. a lot of it's CG'd. So we kind of get to play. Um, I, you're going to notice with all of these, when I answer, I give you more than one actor. It's because it's the way that I cast. <laughs> I have to come up with multiple options, but yeah. I will always tell you who my final thought is. Okay. So initially, when I saw the picture, I thought Rory, Rory McCann would be great. Oh, who, yes. From Game of Thrones. Um, and... Oh, fuzz and everything else because i just think rory's got that energy i i so rory mccann sprung to mind for visuals and just overall um yeah his sort of vocal quality uh then then i had recently watched the new matrix and i realized that i missed hugo weaving and hugo weaving i feel has how it can do bad really well um he he will never do the makeup for this though that's true. He won't. <laughs> so it's exactly what I put next to it. I was like, wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, and so I moved on to a, a, my curveball, my wild card. Okay. Um, my wild card was Taika Waititi because, Ooh. yeah, I think he could offer Fuck a really yeah. fun cr- sort of crazy energy to it. And the reason I thought of that was obviously he's done voice work. He did it in um, uh, Thor, Ragnarok, not Ragnarok, the other one. Which one am I thinking of? No, it was it wasn't Ragnarok. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, because yeah. he directed it, didn't he as well? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, making them. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. They um, did the. Um, God, uh, just testing my Marvel memory. Um, yeah. But Taika has. Um, I don't know. I just I just feel like there's a, there's an energy there that could really work, especially with this kind of um, tried to marry Elaine, failed relationship when he was alive. I think that there's some some fun to be had there. So Taika's yeah. my wild card option. Yes. Uh, and then. I think I settled on David Tennant. And the reason I settled on David Tennant is um, is because of his performance in Final Space as the Lord Commander. And I just think that David Tennant has quite a lot of range. I also think he, obviously he's Scottish, he could do Scottish, um, but he doesn't get to play villains enough because he's actually very good. Anybody who has that kind of energy to do kind of comedy as well normally does a really good villain so it was a toss-up between taika and david in the end taika that is such a call i think he'd be so much fun don't you yeah so much fun and i think there needs to be an element of fun to this just monkey island looks like fun final role that of our female hero elaine marley She's slightly older than Guybrush, maybe about five years older, something like that. Uh, She's redhead. She's an island governor. She's very kind. Mm -hmm. She's clever and capable of getting out of 
trouble in dangerous situations. She's very proficient in combat, and she's British. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. So, I... That I really, I this was a character I struggled on a little bit because I got a bit bogged down in the picture that I was sent of her from the third game, mm-hmm. um, where she looks like, and she looks like an actress who is Armenian American actress who's in Westworld called Angela Sarafian, um, who, if anybody is listening, Google her, and then Google an image of um, Elaine Marley. <laughs> and they look the same. Um, however, she's 38. Um, so I got like, oh, I was like, oh, I need to match the look. And then I realized that the character he'd given me here was awesome. Like she could be, there could be so many people that could do her. And I wanted somebody like a British badass at the moment, obviously the first person that springs to mind since watching her. Obviously she's fighting in, with my family, but then also, you know where I'm going with this. Yes. Um, Hawkeye Florence is Florence Pugh. And I know that she's not necessarily the look from the games, but I mean, redhead doesn't matter. Anybody no. can be a redhead, yeah. but Florence for me uh, could could do anything. And I think she could just she would just be so much fun. I also like the idea of her and Will Poulter together. Yeah, um, with, uh, ta- with Taika Waititi. With Taika Waititi. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I'm so there for this. Disney, um, what are you doing? Get on this. <laughs> I'll be sure to send this um, clip over to, to Disney. Um, Kind, clever, capable of getting out of trouble or dangerous situations, proficient in combat, British, Florence Pugh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Well then. Uh, Will Poulter or an or an unknown. Taika Waititi and um, <laughs> Florence Pugh. I am I am there for this movie. Great. I'm glad. We'll all go see it. Um then you're hired. I, <laughs> Amazing. I wish I wish I had any artistic ability to make that Monkey Island poster with those three in those roles. What a poster <laughs> that would be. Um, I'd like wow. to see your, your attempt without artistic <laughs> ability, actually. I think I would like I would like to see that too. I uh, think that would be great. <laughs> oh. I'd like it hand drawn. I'd like to draw each <laughs> monkey and like drawing the beard and corpseness onto Taika. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I will. I will ha- hand draw. Coloring that in. in the red hair for Florence. In in, in MS Paint, <laughs> I will do that. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Not enough posters done in MS Paint, in my opinion. No, I know. I mean, I think I think Sony does all their posters in MS Paint, but. Um... Okay, so moving on to um, a game of my choosing. Um, because any anything that I wanted to pick, Caitlin, um, was kind of already being made, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite exciting, actually. So things like The Last of Us that we've already spoken about. Um, so I couldn't pick that. But I have picked um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, it yes. is a very beautiful and just amazing, incredible game. It's gorgeous when I looked it up. There's some beautiful clips and mm, it's nice. Yeah, it, it's honestly oh, it's just just really really incredible game. I really enjoyed playing it, even if it took me forever to get through because I can't remember why, but I think I was working. But, um, so quick, quick summary of, of the plot. Um, it follows Aloy, uh, a young hunter in a world overrun by machines uh, who sets out to uncover her past. 
These events unfold after things go wrong during the proving, a challenge designed to test a hunter's skills, leaving her as one of the few survivors. She uses ranged weapons such as bow and arrow, spear and stealth to combat mechanical creatures and other enemy forces which are um, you know, constantly present in the world. Um, and yet yeah, my first character is going to be Aloy. Uh, she's about 19. Um, and um, she is the protagonist, obviously, uh, and a Nora Brave Seeker, machine hunter of unparalleled skill. So she she's is awesome. She's incredible. She is. Oh, she's just. She's the best. Uh, and yeah. we are all very excited for the new one, the New Horizon that's about to come out. Uh, yes, it's about two weeks away when this comes out. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> and I, uh, I have my sexy version arriving as well, Caitlin. I have ordered a very big collector's edition. With a statue oh. and all sorts, yeah. Very I'll, nice. I'll, I'll, I'll let you well, know. Well, I'm glad that you pronounced Al... Al so it's Aloy. Aloy, yes. yeah. Aloy. Because I've been referring to her as if she was a metallic substance opposed <laughs> Alloy. to two or more metals. Yeah. So, um, Aloy. Um, well, I think this was because it said um, Aloy uses technology. So I, my brain went, Aloy uses technology. <laughs> um, anyway. I wonder, but, actually, yeah. if that was a, if no, that was I, a thought. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure that was the basis of it. And then we're like, well... <laughs> Yeah. Aloy sounds like a really weird name for a character. <laughs> so let's just make it sound different. Let's say it weirdly. But anyway, so Aloy, she's curious, she's determined and intent on uncovering the mysteries of her world. As a child, she's quite disobedient and got annoyed by her guardian's firm devotion to tribal laws. Unlike the Nora tribe, Aloy uses technology, most commonly a device called a focus to aid in her quests. The focus allows us to see information about the world that others can't. And that's the little device she has on her on her ear. She's she's super awesome. And it, it, it interestingly, when I started looking up the game, she is based on an actress who is now thirty four years old, um, a Dutch actress. Yeah, she's based on oh. a Dutch actress called Hannah Hoekstra, who was awarded the Golden Calf for her performance in Hemel, which I've not seen. I didn't know what a Golden Calf was either, but I, I assume it's kind of like a fancy prize in the Amsterdam cinema world. But um, yeah, she seems like a really cool actress. But if you look at her, the you can see that she, much like with animations where somebody will have based somebody on somebody, like uh, I think in Disney, Ariel, um, uh, Little Mermaid was based on Alyssa Milano, like in a look. I think my, I think I might be right on that. I might be wrong. Might have made that up, guys. You're welcome. But <laughs> Hannah Hoekstra is a Dutch actress who they based her on. Now, it's really interesting because as soon as you take type Aloy's name into the internet, everybody wants one person to play her, and that is Rose Leslie. Um, oh. Ooh. Yeah, okay. um, and I think it's probably because of so Rose Leslie obviously is um, already has red hair. <laughs> yeah, already has red hair. Already did her badass wildling thing in Game yeah. of Thrones, um, as you know nothing, Jon Snow. Um, and I can see that. I can totally see why Rose would be a, a choice. But she's 34, so she's like. But without doubt, all the fan casting, anybody talking on a Reddit forum, they're always like Rose Leslie, Rose Leslie. And I think it's because like with the pictures that we see of Aloy as well, she's pretty much wearing a wildling costume. Like she does look like Rose Leslie. Yeah. I get it. Um, for me, somebody who is 19 years old, who has the energy for this, the right, um, who could tap into all of the emotions that were given, uh, you might need to train her physically, the actress, but I think that wouldn't be an issue, is Sophia Lillis. She's 19 oh. years old and she plays Beverly Marsh in It. Yeah. 
um, in It Part One. She's also in Sharp Objects, American actress, redhead. Um, and v- so visually, her features are very similar to the to the way that she's designed in the game, I think. But yeah. she's got enough of that. She's got enough of that kind of fiery spirit along with still being a girl, still being young and having the innocence needed to have a mentor and um but also yeah, be a little bit unruly and exactly. like not follow instructions. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So the my my casting for her was Sophia Lillis because yeah. she's the right age and just yeah, Beverly Marsh as a character was quite a nuanced character to have to pull off in it. So um yeah, that was my choice. I don't normally go firmly on looks, but because everybody wanted Rose Leslie, I was like, well, Rose is, is past her prime on this one because they, you need somebody who's who's just coming out of their ingenue energy and into their heroine energy. And I think yeah. Sophia is doing that. Wow. Yeah, I, I like that. Wow. Cool. Wow. Um, wow. So my uh, my second character was um, Rost. Uh, Rost. Rost is a, is a babe in the, in the game. <laughs> as well uh, so he's uh, about about 45 and um he is uh, a nora outcast and he is um aloy's guardian um who is also herself an outcast um so tragic circumstances led him to willingly become an outcast for the rest of his life in order to look after her um, and aside from that, so Rust embodies many of the qualities of the ideal Nora. He's honourable, he's wise, he's faithful to Nora traditions, he's a skilled hunter, and he is very dedicated to his family. Such a lovely man, Rust. Um, I also loved his his appearance. Like he's like this big, isn't he great? Bear of a man. Yeah. He's wonderful. And and like I started. So when I was thinking about this, I started going through a lot of like um your your stockier, well built actors. And then I thought about when J.K. Simmons got super ripped. And I thought I can. It doesn't necessarily matter and i wish jk simmons was younger because <laughs> i think he'd be lovely yeah. for this um uh, so if jk simmons was 20 years younger then he would have been one of my options maybe mandy pantinkin as well um okay. again being a bit younger but i then started to think about the actual age and people i've seen play that a similar role and david harbour sprung to mind okay david harbour is 45 46 and obviously we see him do the father figure feel for Stranger Things um, mm-hmm. with Eleven and I thought he's he's a solid option he'd be on the list mm-hmm. but then I um, the more I looked at the character and the more I thought about it um, the actor I want because of his now salt and pepper beard and he is just edging his way into this playing these sorts of roles is Oscar Isaac Oh, and Oscar Isaac is my final choice on this because I think oh. he could do. You would, you would one. When have you not loved Oscar Isaac? Even when he's a bad guy, you love Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Um, but the honor, the wisdom, the faith of the Norwich traditions, the skilled hunt—like I could believe him as a hunter and the father figure stuff. But honestly, look up Oscar Isaac when he is all bearded, and he looks just like Rust, in my opinion. Give him a little plait down the middle of the yeah. beard. Done. Yes. I'm also I'm also one of those people that when it comes to casting the right character, ethnicity isn't going to be a big blinder for me on that. No. Um, so even though they were quite Caucasian to look at, I just think Oscar would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You're so good at your job. I 
try. I try. I don't have the money to do these people, but it's fine. My, I did have a wild card option for that, which okay. was Nick Offerman, but that's because I just have not seen. But then I've not seen him play something a little more serious. But I also he, felt like he had that that big bear energy. He's going to be in the 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 Last of Us TV show, and I can't remember who he's Is playing. Is he? Yeah. Ooh. I, oh, I, Nick, I, Nick Offerman I any day. Um, okay, so my my third character uh, is um, called uh, Tersa. I think that's how you say it. I may be bastardizing her name. Um, and we, I was unsure of how old she was, but um, everything seems to point that she's sixty upwards uh, because of who she is in the uh, tribe. Uh, but she is a high matriarch of the Nord tribe. Uh, she promoted Aloy to a seeker so that she could find out um, on the day of the proving. Um, and she attempts to lead Laura with compassionate wisdom and is often at odds with some of the other matriarchs because of it. Uh, she is very wise, compassionate, and accepting. She shows great caring for Aloy and treats her like a granddaughter. She's a devout believer and is willing to accept that there are things beyond her understanding. Uh, I've always really, really loved this character um, because I want her to be my grandmother. <laughs> she's like the the David Attenborough, the female David Attenborough of our, of yeah. our video gaming oh, yeah. world. Yeah, 100%. Okay. I I loved this and I loved the kind of um folklore of this character which which has guided my final decision. I'm going to give you two options. The first one is if we're going full America on its ass, which a lot of films need nowadays, and that is Cherry Jones. Cherry Jones is an Emmy Award-winning actress. She was in 24, Handmaid's Tale, Succession, Signs. She's a police officer in Signs. She's in The Village. She's in Erin Brockovich. She's a, like a, go, a good go-to solid American actress. She's 65 years old and really, really, really wonderful. She also looks like the character. Really so when does. I first saw her, I was like, oh, that's it's the smile and the cheeks and the um, playfulness in her eyes. She's she's an incredible actress. Yeah, like, I, I recognise her from being the president in 24. Yes, which she won Emmys for. Yeah. So she's she's a very, very good, solid actress who I think could she could tap into all the sort of wisdom and stuff that you need for this. But she's also just, yeah, she's great. And that sort of high matriarch role. But my my casting for this would be uh, Tantu Cardinal. Tantu Cardinal is um, uh, of Cree and Métis descent, which are the indigenous people of Canada and North America, so First Nations. Okay. She uh, was in Dances with Wolves. She's in the new series Godless. We cast her in Outlander series four. Um, she was made an, a member of the Order of Canada for her contributions to the growth and development of Aboriginal performing arts in Canada. Um, she is, of course, of um, First Nations, so Native American um, descent um, and looks like the role. But it's all the folklore and stuff that we're talking about. Tantu is an incredibly good actress. Um, uh, but also I love that the symmetry of the Nora tribe with as a matriarchal tribe with the fact that this woman is a real descent of exactly the same kind of culture. Matriarchal tribes are huge, uh, were, were what they were uh, for North American indigenous culture. So Tanzu Cardinal, who is 71 and an absolute dream, is my go-to choice for this role. I just think when, whenever you're casting something that has clearly um, taken 
is nodding to culture that we already have, um, which which this video game does. It's a nice it's a nice nod to then to see if you can find some of your own tribal energy in whether yeah. the way you cast. So that that's, that was my reasoning behind her. Yeah, bringing some truth to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that she could really tap into the soul of that character yeah. um, because of her own heritage. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I don't know about you, Andrew, but mm -hmm. um, if I reckon that Caitlin should be a casting director. Yeah. <laughs> She's quite good at it, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. But wait, Caitlin, there's one more thing we have to do. <laughs> we have a surprise question for you now. Um, something the lore surprise. The lore surprise, something you have not prepped for. Uh, are you ready? No, go on. Go <laughs> on. All right, so if you had to cast yourself in a video game, which game would it be and what character would you play? Um, the game can exist already or it can be fictional. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's such a hard question. Oh, okay. So video games... Let's see video games that I've kind of put myself in while playing. So I I always loved the character of, um, especially where it went in the whole trilogy, the um, Elizabeth in Bioshock. I would oh, love to okay. play Elizabeth in Bioshock because I always liked the range of what she did. Um, oh, I like the male characters. That's the issue. And mm -hmm. I can't play the boys. Um, but, uh, yeah, I quite, I've always liked Elizabeth in Bioshock. Um, although I've got a strong, strong soft spot for Ellie as well in The Last of Us. Um, and I, I don't know. Oh, I find this, I find this question so hard because now I'm thinking like all of the various video games that I've ever thought about. What I like is you've just cast yourself in two games opposite Troy Baker. Yes, <laughs> basically, anything Troy Baker's doing, I would like to be next to him as the female. Otherwise, I want to be like a really silly character in, like I want to do like the, the the sound effects for, I don't know. I, like I, I used to do a really good impression of a mumbo jumbo in Banjo-Kazooie. I feel like that would be a nice, easy, simple one to get into. You know? I, sus I suspect you've never played... Um... Uh, bug snacks. No. I, I'd I'd love to see you as as a bug snack. What what is bug snacks? Uh, I mean, I've never played it, and I could actually see her in it now. Yeah. Actually. No, but not not as one of the grumpuses. No. Um, no, no, oh. no. As one of the bug snacks themselves. Like uh, so, all all of the bug snacks are insects that are based on uh, food types. So you'll get um, uh, butterflies that have uh, Doritos for wings. Or Amazing. Uh, you'll have uh, a sort of little creepy crawly thing, but it's it's shaped like a burger, Amazing. and it, the noise the noise it makes is it just runs around going bunga 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 bunga. Perfect, perfect. Um, or or you've got little bug things that's shaped like strawberries, and they just go strawberry, and that's that's, <laughs> that's what they say. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I want to do that. I want to do the voices for any any and all snack insect items, <laughs> bug snacks. Honestly, Sorry. though. <laughs> <laughs> have oh, I got I it? Have that. I got the role? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, yeah you're hired. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much 
for um for all of that uh, that was really really incredible thank you um, I enjoyed myself immensely um, keep coming back for more more casting choices on games that we hope one day will become films all right now go away okay bye 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, we're not we're not going to do impressions of each other again at, at, at the end. <laughs> that was the thing. Sorry, you had to hear that. Uh, but we appreciate you listening very much. Uh, if you would like, you can follow us on our Instagram and Twitter on at Squishy. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate for as little as a price of coffee on our Ko-fi page, and that's ko-fi.com/slash/the-squishy-stream. Um, do also join us on our Discord uh, to chat about the show and um, we'll be adding some uh, supplemental uh, information from each episode. Uh, we'll pro- be popping in full casting images on there as well. Um, so if you want to check that out, do do come and join us on our Discord. I will link it in the description. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Squishies. Bye. Au revoir. Wish you did.